3: Welcome back to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's Co-Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Continuing uh, our American Idol uh, spotlight uh, we did last week. We started uh, our countdown of the 40 biggest songs by American Idol contestants. We went uh, 40 to 21 last week. We uh, spoke with uh, Scotty McCreary, a winner in 2011. So we're back this week looking at the biggest hits by Idol artists uh, based on our formula that ranks chart performance on the Hot 100. So 20 to 1 this week. We're also going to have some guests. Uh, Fred Bronson is coming up, who uh, wrote Billboard's Sharpie column from 1993 to 2009 and has contributed to Idol uh, over the years. He's been on the podcast before talking about Idol and other things. So he's coming up with a review of the first couple episodes now that Idol is back for its 16th comeback season on ABC. So uh, we'll talk new Idol. We'll talk about what's uh, coming up this season on Idol with Fred. Uh, We're going to hear from a couple of the new judges, Lionel Richie and Luke. Brian, they've both been on the podcast before, so we're going to revisit that. Look at us, Trevor. We have them on the podcast.
2: Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit before they signed the contracts for this new gig,
3: Uh, but there are still plenty of things and insights And original Idol champ Kelly Clarkson, she's coming up too. She was on the podcast last year, so we'll have a little little clip from that, her remembering uh, Idol from the very beginning. Uh, So that's all on the way, numbers 20 to 1, the biggest American Idol hits. Uh, Last week, uh, we didn't ignore the weekly uh, Billboard Hot 100, so uh, let's not uh, do that this week either, uh, Trevor. We'll start a little uh, little timer and do a quick recap of uh, this week's Billboard Hot 100.
2: So, yeah, let's take a quick trip over to this week's Hot 100. Uh, once again, it is Drake's God's Plan. That makes it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks in a row. And all seven of those weeks coming from when he debuted at number one seven weeks ago. So, uh, since Drake has marched up there, he has not left the spot yet. And as we've talked several times on this podcast. We'll keep going with it. It's streaming, once again, that is doing most of the heavy lifting for the song. Uh, We're talking, at this point, 81.8 million streams for the past week. And so, as we keep marching ahead with Drake, and these streaming numbers seemingly are not going anywhere in the near future, uh, at this point, seven of the top ten streaming weeks that we've recorded for any song here at Billboard belong to God's plan So um, I mean again with, with nothing Quite in sight We've got some things Settling down In the rest of the top five It looks like um, Without some new life Into into a new song Maybe a new release By a major artist That Drake could be Holding down the top spot For
3: many weeks to come Yeah I think the movement We could see Going forward Is meant to be By B.B. Rex And a Florida Georgia line It could Right now it kind of Looks like it could Challenge for number two at some point, but the gap between number one and everything else is just so great at the moment. But maybe we'll see that keep climbing as it goes to the top five this week. But yeah, those streams for God's plan look locked into number one uh, going forward for uh, the next uh, who knows how long.
2: And one song that at the top of the year people really felt had Hot 100 number one stamped all over it was Bruno Mars and Cardi B's Finesse. The song uh, at number three this week on the Hot 100, but it does take over on radio songs, uh, hitting number one there for the first time. With that move, that is going to move Bruno Mars past Usher for the most radio songs number ones uh, ever by a male artist asterisk out there for a lot of the major pop fans so this chart actually began in 1990 so if you're wondering why uh, you know an elvis or a michael jackson or somebody wouldn't have that record uh we're just talking 90s to the present so a little past michael's heyday who obviously would have been a huge challenger for that
3: and uh, 1990 a year that uh that song uh, would have totally fit in with the sound of uh, belbiv devoe and other uh, new jack swings sounds like it's right out of that year
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it could have been a a number one back in 92 or uh, 2018. And one last note, uh, we have a new top ten this week, coming in at number eight, The Middle by Zed, Marin Morris, and Gray for the first time in this countdown, uh, the song number eight this week. Uh, since we saw the song debuted back at the Grammy Awards at the end of January, we've seen some incremental gains, kind of steadily marching its way up into the top ten, and some people had their eye on this song as well, uh, a change of pace for Marin Morris, who uh, obviously is a pretty core country artist but a nice collaboration for them. Also, the first top 10 on the Hot 100 for Maren Morris and Grey. uh really, in some ways, a vet at this point in the past couple of years. This is his fourth Hot 100 top 10. Uh, all of those through collaborations with various artists, including Alessia Cara, Ariana Grande, Foxes way back when. So,
3: another team up gets him another top 10. I think uh, my favorite stat about this is uh, we mentioned meant to be uh, number five. So uh, Florida Georgia line is in the top 10 and now Marin Morris is in the top 10. So that's two core country acts in the top 10 together on the hot 100 on two different songs that hasn't happened for 17 years just about back in uh, 2000 may it was a uh, faith Hill, breathe and lone star amazed so uh, as much as we're seeing uh, all these huge uh, uh, streaming numbers for, for hip-hop songs and uh, seems like uh, that's the dominant genre it really has been for the last year or so be able to see a uh, two country acts in the top 10 at the same time shows that uh, still room for variety and very cool for for those acts and Marin maren morris as you said trevor getting her first hot 100 top 10 all right that's it for uh, 2018 uh, let's go back uh, american idol uh the past 16 uh, years now 2002 uh, is when it started so let's uh, continue on our countdown of american idol uh, the top 20 hits by idol finalists over the years familiar voice kicking us off at number 20 as we go through number 16 to get us (laughs) started
4: Take me to the place you cry from When a storm blows your way I wanna be inside to be inside When a storm blows your way Baby, I will wait for you If it's the last can do. Don't tell me I ran out of time. If it takes the rest of
3: 20 through 16 in our countdown of the 40 biggest Billboard Hot 100 hits by American Idol artists. Uh, those five there, Kelly Clarkson all over that, starting at number 20 with Walk Away. That was the fifth single from her second album, Breakaway. It's almost the fifth, the top 10 from the set. Got to number 12 in April 2006, but even to be talking about number 12 for a fifth single, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, a lot of albums don't even have five singles, so to get a, a top 15 hit out of that, kind of like a couple years ago, Ariana Grande, One Last Time, was a number 13 hit as a fifth single. So it it can happen when uh, an album is that good and an artist is uh, that big momentum-wise. So Kelly, uh, Walk Away, Kelly again at number 19, a different sound for Already Gone. That was the second single from her fourth album, All I Ever Wanted, number 13, Hot 100 hit, in December 2009, uh, eight-week number one on adult pop songs, which is tied for her longest run at number one on that chart with uh, Stronger which we'll hear and talk about coming up later. Trevor, we can't talk about Already Gone without talking about the song Halo, right? Uh, No,
2: you can't, because this song, generating a pretty strong amount of controversy, released... uh relatively in the same window about six months or so uh, as Beyonce's Halo and especially in in the the days of YouTube and social media starting to take off uh, plenty of fans on both on the Kelly Clarkson side and in the Beehive noticed the arrangements very similar you know you could almost overlay both of the songs and they would work out same kind of pattern strings uh, both songs written by Ryan Tedder, so people were pointing him, pointing the finger at him, and saying, "You know, how are you just going to recycle somebody's song and give it to somebody else?" And he got a lot of heat for that. Stings the Beehive. Uh, it does. And I, I guess it almost stings the Kelly Clarkson fans more because Halo came out first.
3: Well, uh, you know, Halo was a, a top five hit in uh, May 2009. This was a hit in, in December when it peaked. Kelly didn't want this song to be a single because it was so similar. She kind of thought it would be best to avoid it. She kind of went into all back and forth with Ryan Tedder about it. He he defended it, saying that they are different. So uh, ultimately, uh, she uh, ceded to what the label wanted it turn out to be a hit so if nothing else I'm sure uh, overall music fans a lot of them probably love both songs and it's something more uh, more that affects people inside yeah uh, and you know as they always say you know all presses is, is, even bad press is good press uh, number 18 on the countdown uh, Inside Your Heaven Carrie Underwood's Coronation Song uh, interesting about this uh, this song uh, debuted at number one on the Hot 100 on July 2nd 2005 the next week Bo Bice's version debuted at number two And Carries was at number three, so they were both uh, in the top five together because back then the finalists would record the coronation song not knowing who would win, so they both wound up getting released, both wound up being Big Hot 100 hits. And uh, Fred Bronson, who, again, is going to be our guest uh, coming up, who was uh, writing the Billboard Sharpie column at the time, he made a really interesting uh, note uh, in the Billboard issue when uh, Bo Bice's version debuted. It was July 9th, 2005. He noted how that was exactly 50 years to the day after the first rock and roll song, a uh, hit number one, it was on the Best Sellers in the Stores chart. It was dated July 9th, 1955. We're going to rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comet. So not comparing uh, Bill Haley uh, and uh, Bo Bice. But interesting how uh, Bo Bice was one of the idol rockers. And song debuted exactly 50 years after uh, the song that kicked off the rock era. Number 17 on the countdown, third-place finisher in Idol's fifth season in 2006, Elliot Yamin and Wait For You. Uh, number 13 hit on the Hot 100 in 2007. It was written and produced by the production and writing uh, Stargate team. We're, we're going to talk about them uh, coming up more because they've got uh, some Idol history. So uh, we'll get more into that. And uh, I'm going to call this a, a ballad sandwich, these five songs, because we had three ballads. In the middle, uh, surrounded by two up-tempo, Kelly's the bread in this. You're following this, Trevor, uh, unfortunately so uh, her second hit uh, and the lead single from her first album Thankful it's the number 9 Hot 100 hit in summer 2003 huge hit on uh, Top 40 Radio it was a 6 week number 1 on the Pop Songs Airplay chart and maybe uh, most uh, key of all is that it showed that uh, she was not a one hit wonder after a moment like this she legitimately was an artist for pop radio uh, she had staying power and I guess in some ways Idol had staying power so pretty important song overall because it, it just uh, moved Idol into a second phase where it wasn't just the coronation song you could have success after that all right before we continue the countdown uh how about uh, lionel richie makes a quick appearance here on the podcast uh one of the judges a new title this season now that's back on abc so uh trevor you you had a really long conversation with lionel a couple years ago you guys are buddies now
2: uh yeah, i don't know if i would say that uh yeah but but it was really nice to talk to him i mean really nice guy obviously such a legend in the industry um you know just not only as a performer but songwriter producer working with so many other artists and even outside sort of his core genre so i mean really an all-around great guy hopefully people saw then last year he got his uh kennedy center honors well deserved so just solidifying once again you know how how important he is and what an icon he is to
3: uh, music history. Yeah, that's what he talked about here when you, you talked with him. Here's just a quick clip of him uh, saying something that's really, uh, I would think, are the goal of any artist on Idol. It might start with uh, you walk in for that audition, but it could turn into uh, generations of fans enjoying your music.
0: I think what makes it so gratifying is the fact that you know the difference, the difference when you start out in the business, all you want is a record to play on the radio. You don't care how long it plays because you're not really into that. Mm-hmm. And then you learn something very amazing, and that is the real magic is that not only did it get on the radio, it never left the radio. And I'm now into three generations of people in my audience now who who are talking about a song I did with Diana Ross years ago. So when, when you say I have the original, I walk out on my stage, and I I always say this. I said, we used to have two people in the audience. The first group started out with the Commodores. The second group started out with All Night Long, Endless Love, and Hello. Mm -hmm. I said, but now we have a third group in the audience. And that third group is called My Mama and Daddy Played All Your Music When I Was Growing Up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we are now. And I, I think that's the test of time for me. As far as I'm concerned, that's when
3: it really gets good. Lionel Richie on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Uh, We'll hear from Luke Bryan, one of the other uh, new Idol judges uh, coming up as well. Uh, Kelly Clarkson's on the way. Fred Bronson uh, to talk about Idol. So all coming up as we continue here. Our countdown of the top 20 this week uh, hits on the Hot 100 by American Idol contestants. Let's continue at number 15.
5: Here's one million one. 2004, and I ain't gonna mess them no more this year. I'ma take this one chance and make it real clear. I'm sorry,
3: and I'm sorry, sorry, in case I don't tell you. Tell
5: you, December, I'm sorry.
4: Like it was my last one Don't look back got a new direction I love you once Needed protection You're still a part of everything I do You're on my heart just like it a-
2: Numbers fifteen through eleven, counting down the top forty hits by American Idol graduates here on the Hot 100. Coming in number fifteen, you guys just heard "Sorry" two thousand and four by Ruben Studdard, who was the season two winner. Uh, you know this song is a kind of a funny song. I feel like if you grew up with it, because it's it's obviously so dated. The song, I mean, literally "Sorry" two thousand and four, two thousand four is in the title, so I mean, and it's in the lyrics, so it's it's something you can't you guess you really couldn't play in 2005 uh but the song is ruben's first single from his first album after he won uh the album was called soulful and a big urban radio hit definitely uh hitting number one on the adult r&b chart number two overall on the uh, hot r&b hip-hop songs chart and even crept into the top 10 on the hot 100 at number nine uh so you know kind kind of a funny song i think that a song, I guess because it's maybe so dated that you can't play it after a while that people sort of have forgotten about it, but when you, but they all knew about it in that time you could have uh, remade it every year and just updated I mean you yeah, yeah I missed I, opportunity I guess that that that's a, probably a marketing plan idea that was left on the drawing room floor I don't think we want to hear it SAR 2000 eight, nine, ten. How many times can you be sorry?
3: He could record a hundred of them and have it set every year. I have to worry about it. It could do a thousand verses. Mm-hmm. I could be, could just live on forever.
2: Maybe it's in his time capsule. Maybe there's a Spotify playlist out there. It's like trapped in the closet. R. Kelly, just every, every new chapter, every, every time you look. All right, uh, moving on number 14, right above Ruben Stuttered, uh, Clay Aiken bringing home. This is the night, uh, ranking at number 14 on our countdown here. And, I guess if you want to sort of flashback to when this song was number one back in 2003 debuting there clay was right on top of Ruben, who had debuted that week at number two with uh, flying without wings so kind of a little deja vu that, that clay is on top of Ruben, even though clay is the runner up on season two Ruben uh the winner but on the hot 100 clay was definitely the winner like we said, debuting at number one. And kind of an interesting time if you flash back to when Clay debuted at number one. This was a Hot 100 number one hit in between. So it knocked out 21 questions by 50 Cent, which just, I mean, obviously, you know, with Nate Dogg, just obviously a very hip-hop, New York-driven song. The song that comes up to knock out Clay Aiken is Crazy in Love by Beyonce and Jay-Z. Yeah. So the fact that this sort of, you know, middle of the roady kind of Clay Aiken ballad gets in between two monster, you know... I mean, hip hop, urban R and B tracks is just—I mean, what a time! What a time Clay Aiken was walking into.
3: Other than it being uh, the coronation song for an idol, which was really all the muscle you needed at that point, uh, the songwriter of that song is Gary Burr, who's written uh, around 20 uh, top 10 country hits since the 80s. Written hits for uh, Garth Brooks, Winona, Leanne Rhimes. So, uh, on top of just it being the winning idol song, it's also written by someone with tons of success on his own as a writer.
2: Uh, I can oh yeah I I could, I can I can feel that if you if you found that I feel like you like him plus his name's Gary plus his name's Gary uh, also Clay Aiken's not just done yet he actually gets another top ten on the Hot 100 in about nine months after this is the night debuts uh, the song Solitaire debuts at number four only has one week in the top ten but just goes to show you know that Clay's sort of impact is still out there enough for people. Go out to buy a brand new song from him nine months afterwards. So, uh, shout out to Clay there. His singing career ended up a little bit better than his political career, but um, still time. All right, moving on, number 13, we have the song Home, that you guys just heard uh, by Daughtry, which is the band formed by Chris Daughtry. And this song hits number five on the Hot 100 uh, in summer of 2007. Actually, the second top five hit in a row for the band, the song It's Not Over, had gotten to number four just before this one came out. Uh, And this one kind of has an uh, interesting idol tie-in. Obviously, Daughtry is a finalist on the show American Idol, but I guess in sort of an inter-house promo play, if you remember for a couple, I think at least one season, maybe a couple seasons, this actually was the send-off song that was played when someone was eliminated, which always to me felt a little... A little on the nose, a little too too close to home. I mean, the song lyrics and the hook are you know I'm going home to the place where I belong. You know, the place I come from. So, men is sort of like an inspirational kind of return to, to right. home. But with the lyrics, I'm going home felt always felt a little like yes, you are you're 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 out, you're done, you're
3: Be- going home. Better that than the hit the road check or something like that. I,
2: I, maybe raise the state wouldn't have cleared the lyrics. You're right, but. uh, but in any case, I mean, a massive uh, hit on radio. Ten weeks at number one on the adult top 40 chart, and eleven weeks at number one on the adult contemporary chart. And, you know, even though Daughtry always kind of had that adult adult fan base there, I think one interesting chart that the people would not have expected the song to do well on is the Christian Songs chart. Uh, actually, a number 12 hit on hot Christian songs that year, so... I guess you know if you can if you look into the lyrics and going home, the place where you belong, you can find a religious sort of connection there. I don't think it was written with that in mind. But I mean, how great, you know, for Chris Daughtry to, to have a song that that audience can latch onto and send up the charts.
3: Yeah, we talk about how Idol, it's so family-friendly, it's so uh, sort of geared to the, the family audience. There's a lot of Idols who've had success on uh, the Christian charts as well. We've seen a lot of country chart success. Carrie Underwood has had some uh, Christian chart success as well. So, yeah, it's not surprising that some of these songs uh, would fit that that feel for Christian radio.
2: And right above Chris Daughtry at number 12 on our countdown, we have Jordan Sparks, the song Tattoo. Uh, Number 8 hit on the Hot 100 back right at the end of 2007. uh, Her first top 10 hit of her entire career. This song, hitting the top 10, was sort of a redemption of sorts. So, uh, Season 6 kind of has this weird distinction of being the first time that the Coronation single, Nobody's Coronation single, went to number 1 on the Hot 100. Her song, This Is My Now, uh, peaking at number 15. So, actually, it missed the top 10 entirely. So, I'm sure the producers were thrown for a loop and that was kind of a jolt there. Uh, The week that people would have expected the song to go to number one traditionally, you know looking back at 2007, that was the week Umbrella by Rihanna hit number one you've got Party Like a Rockstar by the Shop Boys at number two, so it seems to be a changing of the guard in terms of what, you know, definitively what sound is going to be popular going forward and even some of these pop singles can't quite sneak in there that was also when YouTube was starting right and really
3: gaining in prominence around 2007
2: yeah I mean uh, YouTube had been around for a couple of years but I guess sort of in the same way you know Facebook was around it takes a couple of years for these things to get off the ground and they start to blow up that's also um, you know and iTunes is really cementing its hold on digital singles I mean the reason Umbrella went to number one that week it shot up the chart because it went on sale for the first time so that's sort of changing of the guard luckily um, with Tattoo Jordan able to prove that she is a hit maker getting into the top 10 and coming up later towards the end of the countdown we'll see how she actually I think has one of the smartest idol plays in really integrating her sound with one of the hit makers of the moment and getting a massive hit out of that.
3: Well, we were talking about a uh, Stargate before they uh, co-wrote and produced uh, Elliot Yameen's wait for you. They did this song as well. Tattoo and it. You hear this song, that production, it just, it, Totally takes me back to that uh, that mid to late 2000s production sound when Stargate was doing so many songs that kind of had that uh, that sort of acoustic, R&B, light stutter step kind of vibe. Uh, Irreplaceable by Beyonce. They did that. Uh, with You, Chris Brown, uh, Crush by David Archuleta. So they've actually updated uh, their sound as well, not to make it seem like that's the only uh, sound they could do. They uh, they did uh, Worth It by Fifth Harmony, Same Old Love, Selena Gomez, Hymn for the Weekend, Coldplay and Beyonce as well. So uh, great history for for them but uh yeah around that time 2007 that's pretty much the sound you were going to hear from them yeah all right and bringing us
2: to the threshold of the top 10 we've got number 11 the song that started it all it was a moment like this for kelly clarkson back in october 2002 The song had debuted at number 52 on the Hot 100. Uh, That next week, the song shoots up to number one on the Hot 100. Actually breaks the record for the biggest jump to number one by any song at that point in the Hot 100's history. Uh, The Beatles had had that record back in 1964. So, this just goes to prove, you know, Kelly Clarkson already, her first time on the Hot 100, breaking records. Uh, Now, Kelly would actually lose that record to Maroon 5 a few years later, 2007, but Reclaimed it once again. She got what was rightfully hers. Uh, we'll talk about that song that broke that record once again for Kelly Clarkson coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean number eleven, the song that really kicked off the whole franchise.
3: All right, let's uh, talk about Idol now. It's back on ABC. It just premiered a uh, Sunday night. Uh, it was on again uh, Monday, a couple hours each. So Idol is back after a two-year break uh, after its first fifteen seasons on Fox. Uh, it's back on ABC. It feels feels pretty similar uh, to to what it uh, always has been so uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the new season with a person who has uh, written about idol so much over the years uh, written about chart records uh, for idol contestants on billboard charts and also uh, been on the show Uh, fred is here to talk about what he thinks of the new season so far the new judges some of the uh, new contestants who uh, could uh, maybe be this year's american idol fred bronson is here on the billboard sharpie podcast (music) fred brunson thanks so much for coming back on the billboard chappie podcast
0: i'm always glad
3: so this is your specialty uh, Fred Idol. Let's just uh, get into it. What do you think so far of the new season here on ABC?
5: Well, you know everybody asked me are you excited Idol is coming back? And I said, well, it isn't that isn't the quite, isn't quite the right word, but I'm very happy it's back. And now that I've seen the first t- two shows, I'm very happy it's back. I I really think they're doing a great job. I'm, I'm happy with the judging panel. I think they're terrific. And the town I've seen so far, there's there's some outstanding,
3: you know, kids. So you weren't that excited?
5: I, I knew it was going to come back because uh, Simon Solar told Billboard exclusively, before Ryan said goodnight for now, Simon Solar told me, we'll be back in one or two years. He had the whole plan. And so I just knew all along it was coming back. So. It wasn't that I wasn't thrilled, but excited didn't quite capture my emotion. It was more just, yeah, I'm really happy it's back. <laughs> all
3: right, so uh, let's start with the the judges panel. What do you think of, of each member so far? To me, it, I, I think they're all great. I feel like uh, Katy Perry is, is sort of being positioned as the star of the three of them, the biggest personality. And I think she's really fun so far.
5: I, I agree. Uh, and I I'm, I think all three of them are doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, you know i i I have loved different judging panels over the years. I definitely love the original, you know, Simon Paula Randy. I thought they were great. Um, I thought you know some when when J Lo came on, she did a great job, and I thought that final panel of J Lo and Harry and Keith were terrific so these these three had a lot to live up to uh, and they're doing the job. I mean, you know. Uh, Lionel, I don't think you can get a better judge than Lionel Richie. Um, and Katie, giving great comments and, and funny. And they're all kind of funny, you know, in, in a good way <laughs> humorous, not funny, odd. And, uh, and Luke's hanging in there too. So um, I, I, I honestly, I noticed, you know, I did an interview with the three of them about, oh gosh, a month and a half ago. Uh, that ran on billboard.com, and I could tell them, because they they did it together, all three together, Uh, I could see the chemistry as they were walking down the press line, and when they were talking with me, it was pretty obvious that they had already gelled. It was during the LA auditions, and uh, I think it shows on the air, too.
3: I feel like it's the most uh, fun feel-good judges panel I think we've had so far obviously there is doesn't seem to be uh, the bad guy like, like Simon Cowell it all feels very very upbeat and encouraging it just feels, feels like a safe space uh, all around
2: but do, do you think that, that, that that's necessary you know um, a lot of people may be lamenting that there's no Simon and obviously people you know cringe when they think of Simon, or know he says mean things, but you have to admit it made for really good television. And I wonder if, you know, if everybody getting along all the time, if that kind of, you know, leaves that element out that people kind of want.
5: Well, I'll tell you my answer, but I'm going to tell you quickly first why there was a Simon. Uh, So you know that American Idol came out of uh, Pop Idol in the UK and before Pop Idol, there was Pop Stars, which we also had a version of, but Pop Stars was much huger in the UK. They wanted Simon Cowell to be a judge on Pop Stars. And at the last minute, he turned it down. Uh, he wasn't known at all outside of, you know, the industry at that time. He wasn't like a famous person, but they thought he would be a good judge. And when he turned it down, they, uh, the producer, Nigel Lithgow, became a judge, and he was the nasty judge. Because he had seen that on Pop Stars in Australia, and that's why he wanted to do Pop Stars, because he liked the nasty judge. And he was so nasty, they actually, in the press, called him Nasty Nigel. Then Nigel got hired to do American Idol, Pop Idol, in the U.K., produced that before he became came over here to produce and he got Simon Cowell to be a judge and he wanted Simon to be the nasty Nigel of Pop Idol so that's how that nasty judge cre- was created in the first place because Simon isn't really a nasty person
4: no.
5: that was a big exaggeration of his personality but it worked it worked and it was a great TV show because of Simon. And a lot of people stopped watching when he left. I mean, after after the first nine seasons. But once they had j and they didn't have a nasty judge on the show. And by the way, they had a nasty judge in every country because of Simon Cowell's role, because it was so successful. They never did an idol without a nasty judge or a mean judge. Until J-Lo and, and, you know, Randy and, and Steven that in season 10. And they took a chance that it was going to work. The times had changed. We were living, you know, it was years later after Idol had debuted. And it worked. And they realized we can do Idol without a nasty judge. And now I think... There's even more emphasis on civility. We're living in tough times. There is a lot of nastiness out there. And I think Idol has gone the other direction, and it's worked. So I know there are people who still say, you know, I'm not going to watch it because Simon Cowell isn't on, but I think it's working.
2: I do have to say, you know, breaking it to to current times, nasty Nigel sounds like a, a great nickname that will be in a Donald tweet, a Donald Trump tweet one day.
5: Probably, let's not tell him. Poor <laughs> Nigel, we don't want we don't want him being in in Trump's tweets.
3: One thing I thought was interesting in the first episode, Fred was uh, very early on Luke Bryan, uh, one of the voiceovers, saying, uh, "It's not about what Lionel and Katie and I are doing. This is about." The contestants. I thought that was kind of a subtle, maybe not so subtle, uh, dig at The Voice, which seems to be so much about the judges' panel, and there's been a lot about who these new judges are on Idol, but it seemed like th- that was a statement of, uh, we're coming back the same as we've always been on Idol. This this isn't about the judges. This is about uh, the stars that we want to make American Idols.
5: Well, I totally agree that it was a dig at The Voice. And, and you know, look, both shows have their followers, and both shows Have their pros and maybe their cons, but it's the reason. I mean, and Luke was right, by the way. I've always said that the the success of Idol depends on who they cast in, you know, as your top fourteen or your top ten or whatever it is that year. That that's going to make or break Idol, and if they have years where the kids aren't great. Say goodbye to Idol. I don't think that's why it actually went off the air, but but I feel like American Idol has made stars. People can tell you who came in seventh on one season, uh, but for The Voice, if you ask people to name contestants on The Voice, it's very difficult. Some people can't name anybody. Uh, you know, some people can name one or two, but. For whatever reasons, and I think it is because the emphasis in the voices on the coaches, they have really not made a lot of stars. And Idol has made a lot of stars. Some are superstars, some are stars. But you know these kids; you know their names. Even after 16 years, people are still talking about Ruben and Clay, and of course Kelly and Carrie. Jennifer Hudson, Adam Lambert, uh, I could go on and on. But if you just even mention someone who came and tells the people, they go, oh, I remember that person, but not so on the voice.
3: Yeah, and longevity, too. There was a girl who auditioned, I think, in the second episode who was born in 2002 to the year Idol started. So we're now at the point where uh, there are people who their whole life, they've been born into a world uh, where American Idol was always around.
5: Exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking that this was a couple, you know, a few years ago, because uh, there they're, are they're shows where they would do their birth year song, and uh, I remember when we got to the point, they said, uh-oh, Wannabe by the Spice Girls is now a birth year song yeah. on American Idol. Now, that's already a few years ago, obviously. But now, now if they think birth year songs, they're gonna be like, oh my god, that song was yesterday.
2: Yeah, you have kids up there doing Crazy in Love or, uh, you know, Rihanna's Umbrella or something. Yeah. And, yeah, there well, there we go. <laughs>
5: yeah, there's a birth year song. How does that make you feel? <laughs>
3: uh, speaking of these young kids, uh, Fred, who stands out uh, two episodes in so far as uh, some of the uh, contestants that you think uh, could go pretty far this season?
5: Well, I wish I could remember all the names. There was a young girl named Harper, and I thought uh, she was terrific. Uh, I thought of the guy was a little heavy set. Uh, he was a farm boy and had a, a fresh face, And then, but he didn't sing at all. Like he sounded like he looked, uh, which was sort of the clay Aiken effect. And I don't mean he looks like clay or acts like clay, but he sat at the piano and just had this incredible performance that didn't seem anything like his own personality. Uh, I thought he was great. Uh, there was the crooner, who reminds me of John Stevens, who did The Way You Look Tonight. Uh, that was also a surprise. Uh, there were some more females, some more you know, uh, young girls who were great.
3: The one who stood out to me, uh, just because uh, something we haven't really seen on Idol, was a girl named Michelle Sussett the Latin music uh, singer who, who had oh, yeah. dancing. Uh, Katie was was attempting to do uh, Latin dancing. Luke Luke and and Lionel were actually really good. She just seemed fun. It it just hit me that, wow, maybe at this point in 2002, we probably wouldn't have had a Latin uh, music artist on Idol. But now, after Despacito and and just globalization of of music, seems perfect for America.
5: Yes, in fact, when she was singing, I was thinking, Havana. (laughs) Yeah, right. That would have been a good song for her. Um, Yeah, no, she was a standout as as well. There have been a lot, actually. Like I say, um, you know, once I sit down with them, uh, Billboard's going to get the first interview with the top 14, and that's when I just go over to the studio and sit there in a room, and it kind of takes all day, but they bring them in, and I get, you know about uh, 15, 20 minutes with each one, then I really get to know them. <laughs> so that'll happen.
2: Do you think, uh, I guess, kind of to that point, that, and obviously we're only two episodes in, so there's still a long way to go for the rest of the season, but when it comes to to the winner and trying to make this person, you know, marketable in, in the overall scheme of music, I mean, do you have any worry or hope about where Idol might go? Just, we know that, you know, singing in a way is not necessarily a, uh, in right now, I mean, obviously, rap music is really big. Um, I mean, there's so much emphasis on production and sound that we haven't had, you know, a huge amount of vocal talent coming out in the past couple of years. And do you think that? How does idols sort of avoid that pitfall that they've been in the past couple of years, where they have great singers and great performers and talents, but they have not been able to make that gap in an era where that style just isn't? What's what's popping?
5: Well, it's interesting. It's a good question. Uh, of course. You know, if we get a country winner, uh, and I don't know that we will, but that's one possibility. Um, I mean, Scotty McQuarrie just had his number one song. It was five more minutes. Uh, obviously, Carrie has done exceptionally well. Lauren Elena had a number one, you know, uh, within the last few months, I guess last year now. Uh, so that's one way they could go. If, if that happens, if that's who America votes for, Um You know, it could be an R and B singer. It could, it's hard to say. It could be a pop singer. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we still have room for pop singers on the charts, you know, uh, maybe they're not doing quite as well as they were doing in the last few years, but they're still, they're still there. So that's, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, we did have some idols who just didn't do well on radio, uh, I thought Caleb was a terrific rocker, but I, I knew when he won, he's not a top 40 guy, you know, and probably wasn't going to get played on the radio, and, and he didn't. Um, so it, it, it's hard to say. Uh, and then, you know, there were other reasons. Candice Glover's album, you know, came out like a year later. Nick Fradiani's album came out a year later. I don't think you can do that. I think you have to get product out there a lot quicker um, after after they're on the show. However, you have to do that. Well, that might so I think there's a lot of reasons. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was saying that actually might be, I guess, maybe a benefit of you know the streaming Spotify world is that I mean we've seen a lot of artists you know been able to pump singles out once a month and and it doesn't feel. You know, um, like an oversaturation or overcompensating. So you're right. Instead of maybe just waiting a year for the debut album, maybe if they can just you know tease a couple of those singles once every six seven weeks, keep their name hot until the album comes out, that might be might be a way they actually can benefit from the new climate. Uh,
5: Exactly. You know, remember in the very early days when there were still physical CD singles, and they they had those winter singles out, and you know, as as you know. Uh, the first, uh, let me think, four or five seasons, they all went to number one immediately and sold a lot of copies. Uh, so I think you're absolutely right.
3: Yeah, it's a different landscape now. When Idol uh, started, when it was in its heyday, it, it was really the only show. Now it's, uh, as we've said, up against The Voice and, and just so many other reality shows. It's, it's a different world than it was when it started, but uh, nothing else. It, it feels the same. It's got that, that feel-good vibe. It's a sense of humor in places. It's, it's comfort food. It feels like it's, it's back. It kind of feels like it never left now that it's back.
5: Well, I think the reason ABC wanted it was because they really loved Idol the way it was. And so fortunately, uh, you know, every year they they make something changes, you know, but something small, not not the heart of American Idol. And fortunately, I think they've kept the heart of Idol intact. They haven't messed with the format. Uh, It's the familiar Idol. And a lot of people were saying, oh, they're going to make huge changes and it's going to be a whole different show. Well... They didn't want a whole different
2: show. They wanted American Idol, and that's what they got. And uh, one more question about the judges. I hope if, if we've covered this elsewhere, please forgive me. But kind of interesting, especially with, with Katie and Luke, people who, uh, a la The Voice, you know, are, are still in the middle of their careers. They're not sort of on the, uh, uh, dare I say, sort of retired front like Lionel Richie. But um, is there any talk about... You know, I mean, you kind of build this panel of familiarity, but you know, in maybe a year and a half, two years, Katy Perry will want to go on tour for her next album, or she may need some time off. Is there any talk about how they plan to navigate that water? Because you know, we had, like you said, Randy, Simon, Paula for eight years. We got to know them, got to enjoy them. I mean, it seems like it's due for musical chairs sooner rather than later.
5: I think it's very possible. I felt that way with J Lo. You know, they have recording careers; they need to be on the road. But, you know, the truth is, right, the way Idol is produced right now, um, like Keith Urban told me back, back when he was a judge, he said, he said, I actually have plenty of time to go out on the road because there's only a few weeks of live shows where they have to be in LA, you know, and they could actually, if they want, go back and forth during the week. They only need to be in LA, you know, Sunday and Monday. Um, that, that Keith said, I have plenty of time to record. I have plenty of time to, uh, go out on the road and do American Idol. And this is a shorter season now. You know, there's only, I think there's only six weeks of live shows. And everything we're seeing now, they've already done, you know. And, and they had time in between those cities where they were doing auditions and Hollywood Week. So I'm not sure you know, that that they're going to be rushing off. But I think at this point, you know, you can only think a year or so. Uh, I don't think they're thinking right now, three or four years from now, what will we do? I think they're just thrilled with the judging panel they've got. And when it comes time, maybe they will have to, you know, replace one or two or three. I think it's inevitable if it has another long, long, long run. But but it's also possible for those people to work, you know, and have their careers.
3: That's uh, 2018 versus 2002. Multitasking. its a Different world.
5: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right, Fred. Thank you so much for uh, taking a little bit of time to uh, talk to us about Idol uh, so far. Uh, have fun uh, this season now that it's back. Uh, getting to know all the contestants going forward and uh, writing about it on Billboard.com. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon about all things Idol.
5: Well, thanks, Gary. Thanks, Trevor. We'll be, you know, Billboard covers Idol, and we'll be covering it just as much as ever.
4: And our
2: thanks to Fred Bronson for being here on the Billboard Charby Podcast. Always fun to talk with Fred, somebody who's followed Idol, obviously, really since since day one, and knows the ins and outs of it so well, obviously, having been on the show is uh, always a nice perk and, and proving he's just an idle savant.
3: I think you could maybe make the case, too, that if there was no idol, uh, there'd be no Glee, which was also on Fox at the time, and that's gone on to set the Hot 100 record for most uh, Hot 100 hits by any act, uh, the whole collective of, of different uh, Glee uh, stars over the years. For now... Until Drake, so and Now you know, you know, uh, Drake's coming for it. But uh, 207 hits for Glee, so uh, the success that Fox was having with Idol in the mid 2000s uh, had to inform uh, Glee would come along and uh, record-breaking uh, numbers for for both of those shows over the years. Uh, kind of uh, take it for granted at this point, but uh, one kind of led to the other. Yeah,
2: I mean, even with Glee, I mean, and and a cappella groups and sort of Pitch Perfect. I mean, there really was a, a time where where I mean, not just music, but sort of the practice of music and sort of the, uh, the ins and outs of music really became very popular. I mean, just for, for young people all around. And of course, Idol definitely had a spearhead sort of kids getting reacquainted with, with and reimpressed with, with vocal ability and what people could do you know, when they sing. So definitely a, a huge
3: Kickstarter there. And talking about uh, Idol. And uh, talking about YouTube, again, that was the same time when anyone could just uh, sit in their bedroom and show off their vocal chops on YouTube, which people hadn't had that opportunity before. So it was just an entire decade where there were all of a sudden all these new avenues for people to put their voice out there, just like podcasts today.
2: <laughs> Look at that. Uh, we're, we're a byproduct of American Idol, and we are around in third. We are heading home. We are only 10 songs away from from the top of the countdown. Here we go to do that first half. I'm going to pass this over to my man Gary. Here he is, breaking down numbers 10 through 6 of the top 40 songs on the Hot 100 by American Idols. Here we go.
4: I was blown away What could I say It all seemed to make sense You're taking away Everything And I can't do without We'll blow oh.
3: on our countdown of the top 40 Billboard Hot 100 hits by American Idol finalists over the years uh, number 10 fourth place finisher again uh, in Idol's fifth season in 2006 Daughtry uh, Chris Daughtry it was actually after Idol that he formed the band uh, he turned on an offer to become the lead singer for the band Fuel had the big hit "Hemorrhage" in my hands so he wanted to do his own uh, his own band formed Daughtry uh, this is Daughtry's biggest Hot 100 hit. Uh, it's their highest song here on this countdown. It's their highest Hot 100, a uh, peaking hit, number four in early 2007, the uh- number five mainstream rock songs hit was top 20 on alternative songs number one for two weeks on pop songs number one for nine weeks on adult pop songs so uh, he showed one of those idols sort of like Jennifer Hudson that you didn't need to win idol you could still uh, totally have a huge hit and and in many different formats so this is the biggest one from Daughtry that just kicked off a new tour so that's uh, going through next month they're still, still doing pretty well all these years later Yeah, and shout out to Jennifer Hudson, who uh,
2: unfortunately is not on this countdown, so um, I'll go ahead and sort of burst that bubble for J-Hud fans,
3: but she does have an Oscar, so, you know, who's the real winner? You decide. Uh, number nine, before he cheats, Carrie Underwood's highest hit on this countdown, five-week number one on Hot Country Songs. In 2006, the song uh, had a really long life uh, after hitting number one on Hot Country Songs, then crossed to the top 10 on the pop and adult charts and uh, kept going on the Hot 100. Wound up peaking at number eight uh, later in June 2007. So uh, all total... It was a 64-week Hot 100 run. Uh, Only nine songs in the Hot 100's entire history have ever charted for at least that long. So just a complete crossover hit uh, for Carrie Underwood. And uh, really uh, set up the two sides that we've come to know from Carrie Underwood. Because her first two country hits, one was Jesus Take the Wheel, which we heard earlier in the countdown, back at number 31. And uh, this song, the two sides right there, the ballads and sort of the the, the sassy, up-tempo song. She's pretty much kept that formula. It's been working uh, for over a decade now for Carrie Underwood. Number eight on the countdown, My Life Would Suck Without You, Kelly Clarkson became her second of three Hot 100, number one she's had uh, so far. It was in 2009. So you mentioned before, Trevor, a moment like this made that 52-to-1 jump, uh, beating the Beatles, and then it would get passed uh, for the record for biggest jump to number one on the Hot 100. This song is currently the record breaker. It'll It'll be pretty tough, to break it still still could happen but uh, it went 97 to 1 it's the biggest jump ever on the Hot 100 biggest jump to number 1 uh, so yeah unless something goes 98, 99 or 100 to 1 Kelly's got the record I I always think this song, I, I don't put any qualifiers on this, I think this is one of the catchiest pop songs ever in the entire rock era uh, Max Martin, Kelly were two of the co-writers uh, a little bit of a, a dark a backstory too, uh, Dr. Luke he was one of the co-writers as well. And uh, Kelly didn't want to work with him on this song. Uh, the label seems that they kind of made her work uh, with him and everything we know now uh, with uh, what came up with uh, Kesha uh, in, in recent years. But Kelly was at the forefront of saying uh, she she thought he was uh, demeaning. She thought he was a liar. She didn't want to work with him. So uh, as catchy as, as fun as that song is, it's you dig into the story. It's it's uh, not all sunny. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> uh, number seven let's move on because of you is a number seven hit for kelly in uh, 2005 on the hot 100 from breakaway uh, another song that was just huge uh, on radio uh, four weeks at number one on pop songs then a number two hot country songs hit in 2007 by reba mcintyre with kelly and uh, for younger people listening reba mcintyre is a very long time huge country music icon she's not just the colonel for kfc uh, Kelly wrote this song with David Hodges and Ben Moody, now both formerly of Evanescence, uh, about her father. Uh, she later wrote uh, again, uh, piece by piece, and uh, big hit in 2016. So, but I'm just I'm just full of all these happy Kelly Clarkson uh, details in this part of the content. She, she's honest, if nothing else. And you know, it's it's, it's funny because people
2: probably would not sort of think that Kelly Clarkson had, uh, you know, a troubled life, and obviously, maybe it hasn't been the same physical. Sufferings, or you know, poverty, or some of those things that other stars have gone through. But I mean, there seems to be, you know, a real emotional struggles and, and turmoil and, and trouble, and so um, you know, she's been able to,
3: to channel that into some very powerful and big songs. Yeah, she's coming up Uh, later on uh, in the countdown here. We'll hear from uh, Kelly. Uh, Number six, uh, highest rock song on this countdown. Philip Phillips, winner of season 11 of Idol in 2012, uh, hit the 100s top 10 in August 2012, uh, when it was used as the theme for NBC's coverage of women's gymnastics during the Olympics in London that year. Uh, Dipped a little bit and then came back to the top 10, became a number six hit in early 2013. Interesting that it was a six-week number one on the adult alternative songs chart. So, again, like Daughtry, uh, you'd think maybe that rock radio would be a little skittish about uh, Idol because it's so uh, pop-focused, but uh, they loved the song, six weeks at number one. Uh, Also, I think, showed that Idol can change with the times. I think uh, you think of an idle winner's song. You think, you think a big ballad, you think a moment like this, you think this is the night clay Aiken, but, uh, the song is, is it's Mumford and Sons. It's lumineers. It's that early you know, 2010s, uh, stomp and clap folk rock. So no, no problem. It was an Idol artist that totally fit in for that sound. And, and really, again, if nothing else showed, idle can change with the times when you're on that long and you're that popular for that long. Uh, Probably there's going to be uh, some element of adapting to the times, and it's exactly what it did. All right. uh, Before we continue on, uh, we've heard from uh, Lionel Richie on uh, the countdown here, who was on the podcast uh, with Trevor uh, a couple of years ago. Luke Bryan, one of the other new judges uh, this season on Idol. He was on the podcast last year. Jim Asker, uh, our country chart manager in Nashville, was uh, speaking with Luke. And Luke uh, said something uh, sort of like Lionel before about uh, career longevity. Uh, Luke was saying something that, again, any Idol contestant uh, would be uh, served really well uh, to think about that uh, when you come in for that idol audition, that's just uh, the beginning of your career. There's just uh, the real work really uh, is ahead. So it's kind of what Luke talked about uh, on the Billboard Sharpie podcast uh, last year.
6: Well, I mean, uh, gosh, I mean, when you hear accolades and achievements, you what it took to get to this point just immediately flashes in front of your eyes. I mean, from the point to where. It starts with moving to Nashville but then when you meet you know when you're in the room with the president of Capitol Records and you've got to prove it to him that you're gonna you're gonna be able to pull this pull this career off one day and then to see all the amazing things that we've done and then here you know here we arrive at Kill the Lights and six number one singles I mean it's uh we just set out to, to make the best music we can and have fun with it. But then, you know, when we, um, you know, this is just a testament to everybody really doing a good job at a lot of stuff.
3: Luke Bryan on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast doing a great job as one of the new judges on Idol season. Good dancer, too. Yeah, I I think also one of the things between just not an
2: idol, I think uh, the voice as well, uh, you really get a good sense of personality from the country guys who I don't think people may think of them as kind of just, you know, plain kind of, you know... You know, not not having the same kind of personality or outlandishness as other maybe more humble pop stars yeah, or just
3: withdrawn. Yeah, yeah, but
2: I mean, like I mean, obviously, like Shelton on The Voice is you know a huge standout, very funny. I mean, Lucas, you know, he's he's a he's a gentleman type, but uh, you know, he's he's a he's got a good personality, good fun fun sense to him.
3: He was talking uh, some fishing term. Uh, to one of the uh, one of the young uh, contestants, uh, Katie Perry had no idea what he was talking about. So he, he's not hiding, any. he's he's talking deep uh, fishing Southern terms. And then Lionel Richie was saying he's from Alabama too. So there's a lot of different uh, backgrounds that they're bringing to it.
2: Well, it's kind of fair, I think. If you know, if they don't know what wig is, then you know everyone everyone's got some new vocab they're going to
3: leave uh, the panel with. Did you have to Google wig, or did you know what it was? Uh, I had I I had to cheat. Yeah, I don't feel as bad then. I don't feel as old
2: no. <laughs> that's not that you still got a lot more things to, to cover on that front you're at the google age
3: Trevor you at to google a term well did, I, I, I twittered it but you know all right let's move on to the top five we're getting almost to number one on our countdown of the 40 biggest billboard hot 100 hits by American Idol graduates
2: Kicking us off in the 5-2 to two segment uh, First song you guys heard was Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson A number 6 hit back at Towards the end of 2004 um, Now Gary said a little earlier When he was talking about Miss Independent How he uh, kind of put a stake in that As Kelly Clarkson's You know, sort of a, a Very important record in her discography In the sense that it was not You know, an idol coordination single it Was her first Fully fledged Kelly Clarkson single. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that, and I'm gonna actually yank that away from Miss Independent. I'm gonna say Breakaway is probably the most important record in Kelly Clarkson's collection, uh, simply because Miss Independent. Obviously, a strong hit off of the Thankful album. Top 10 hit on the Hot 100, gets Gary mentioned earlier. But the follow-up singles really didn't do very much. Uh, I mean, there was Low, which came after that. There was The Trouble With Love Is, which was kind of tied to Love, actually. None of those making inroads really nearly to the same degree. Um, So I think people were were really worried about where Kelly Clarkson would go. Was she really just a one... Sort of a one-song wonder with *Miss Independent*, which obviously was the most up-tempo sort of.
3: Well, two songs at that point because a moment like this was a legitimate hit on radio. Is still a pretty big hit on its own. You're going to take this title away from me that quickly? Well, I, I, I mean, but
2: even Kelly Clarkson has kind of said that she knew it went to number one because of the show, and people had people had tied it to the show. So there was always always sort of a sentiment with that song that. Sort of, I think, gives its its own category versus Miss Independent, which had to compete with you know records by Britney Spears and by Usher and by just any any sort of pop song out there. So you know, when it's time for the sophomore album to come out, uh, they do they they do actually kind of an old tried and true strategy, even though Breakaway becomes the title. Track to Kelly Clarkson's second album actually was released first as a single from the soundtrack to the Princess Diaries 2 film, uh, which was sort of a nice tester for Kelly to see, you know, what the response was going to be. It seems like it actually really was not expected to be as big a hit as it became. I mean, a top 10 hit on the chart, co-written by Avril Lavigne, so that definitely helps. Avril, if you've forgotten, was really huge in 2002, 2003, so, I mean, really one of the hot songwriters of this moment. And for the song to go back into the top 10 really gave Kelly Clarkson some more legs, and it leads into what becomes, I think, still an unexpected smash sophomore album that just I mean had dwarfed what her fresh, what her first album did and that is really what proved that Kelly Clarkson was a bona fide force
3: well, I'll give you that it, it took her to a whole other level and obviously all the follow-up hits that Thankful didn't have but let's not totally discount what Miss Independent uh, did maybe if that doesn't come along maybe we don't get to Breakaway So
2: I'm not, I'm not saying Miss Independent is nothing I'm just saying if I had to pin one song as like the song that made or like made or broke Kelly
3: Clarkson's career uh, it's gonna be Breakaway I think we can both be right it doesn't have to be that i'm wrong and you're right we can both have levels of correctness here
2: i'm just i'm just gonna i'm gonna put my flag here you can put yours where you like it and you know
3: i like your little look kelly said this you suddenly put kelly on your side so i, I can't win this one
2: and speaking of breakaway uh, right above that number four the third single off that album uh, the song behind these hazel eyes a massive hit in the summer of 2005 also getting to number six on the hot 100 um Interestingly enough, and this is something that we probably would have never been able to bring up, uh, if Gary had not helped us out, Gary and our friend Rihanna had not helped us out uh, just a few months back, Uh, so the song sort of proves the longevity of Kelly Clarkson. The song was a, a top 10 hit on Hot 100 for 15 weeks, but never had sort of the massive one week momentum to get it into the top five peaks at number six hangs out in that six to ten spot for 15 weeks uh, which is actually the longest that any song had held out in the top 10 and not hit the top five until our friend Rihanna came along with the song Needed Me at the end of 2016 so just kind of show that this was a consistent hit you know 15 weeks so we're talking four months basically in the top 10 um So always, always kind of there. And I mean, this is really the third straight top 10 hit. We'll get to the second one in a little bit uh, from Breakaway. We know Because of You is going to come later and make it four top 10s in a row. So even though there was not a number one song from Breakaway, I mean, 2005 in a lot of ways was really Kelly Clarkson's year.
3: Did you just say that uh, behind these hazel eyes uh, was really proved the longevity? Did you just take the the honor that you just gave to Breakaway? Did that last for about forty five seconds?
2: No, I'm not, no, I'm saying I'm not saying that. I'm saying it, what did I say? In terms of the career, it's Breakaway. I'm saying there is a huge amount of longevity behind behind these hazel eyes. Hmm. It wasn't just sort of a you know a, a three week top tenner off the strength of her first couple songs. It was it was a really legit hit in its own right.
3: These are all good props to have, by the way, for arguing that there's a bunch of different songs that uh, took her uh, to, to different levels in her career. That's that's what you want to be having. We agree on that, right? <laughs> Let's agree
2: on something. We can agree, we can agree on that. And number 3 was we'll take a break from the Clarkson soundtrack and move into the song No Air by Jordan Sparks and Chris Brown, which, fittingly, number three on this countdown, also a number three hit on the Hot 100 back in 2008. Uh, earlier, when we were talking about Jordan Sparks, when we were talking about the song Tattoo. I said, you know, it's kind of interesting that, that for the song that was her coronation single not to go to number one, I'm sure it probably had the idol producers and sort of Idol watchers worried that was the show about to lose its magic and was were the superstars really not going to relate in this environment you know that we were moving into. And I think to sort of counter that point, you know, Jordan sparks with this song probably better than anybody proved that she could sort of hop right in and ride that wave i mean she did a duet with chris brown who obviously is a massive star pop r&b star at this time the songs with you had been huge hits um forever is coming out pretty soon i mean he had kiss kiss he'd already had run it so really one of the the newest faces on r&b but also one of the most successful faces and you know something that Every, we've kind of seen on this countdown going through, a lot of these songs are just idols by themselves. Very few duets, especially this early part, very few collaborations. So for Jordan Sparks, not only to do just this, this R&B pop song, but able to show that she can do it with another hit maker at that moment, right. I mean, that's a huge step in her career. and Obviously, it paid off huge hit for her, her highest peaking hit on the Hot 100, and number three overall on this countdown,
3: so... Big, big thing for her. Should we uh, give away the official spoiler? This is the highest song on the countdown by someone not named Kelly Clarkson.
2: Well, luckily there's only two spots left, so it's not probably not too, too hard uh, to guess who would be in those top two spots, and I'm pretty sure as many Idol fans have been counting down with us, they know what two songs might be coming up. Uh, I guess the, really the only question is, well, what order? And if you were paying attention, you would have realized that at number two, you heard the song Stronger, parentheses, What Doesn't Kill You, once again, our friend Kelly Clarkson. This song, uh, in my mind, a big return for Kelly. Her third and most recent number one hit on the Hot 100, and actually her first song to spend more than two weeks at number one. Uh, it actually has three weeks at number one, so her longest number one to date And uh, a nice form for her in particular, it helps the album set up very, very well. And this is also a period where the past year has been dominated by Adele in terms of female pop vocals. Um, So for Kelly Clarkson to sort of get what, what a perfect storm at this time when it was huge at radio, selling very well that just came together in a great way for her that she hadn't had a number one hit in about three years and so this fifth album just bringing home the goods also bringing home the goods on the Grammy stage the album wins a best pop vocal album so her first Grammy award since the breakaway era back in 2005 2006 so um all things coming together for Kelly Clarkson nearly a decade after she first won
3: that American Idol title. Yeah, that's what uh, stands out to me. Uh, that uh, span of number ones, I think, is uh, really in some ways the most important uh, stat you can uh, put on an artist's career. If, uh, do they have that longevity career-wise? This, as you just said, was about uh, almost 10 years after a moment like this went to number one. So you know, a decade in pop music is is really more than most artists ever so to still be going to number one 10 years later, that's uh, an artist starting now. It's you know, Cardi B 10 years from now. Is she going to have number ones? We'll find out. But shows you just... We're going to hope. that just shows you how uh, fickle pop audiences can be. So for Kelly to do that just shows that uh, she was a pretty good choice for the first American Idol. Well, and
2: also, I mean, and to that point, I will say it's also almost that much more interesting when there are ebbs and flows i think there are periods where a lot of people fans and and critics and everybody thought maybe this you know maybe this will be the end of kelly clarkson and it feels like maybe if she's down for you know six eight nine months that next album puts her right back on top so you know of course there have been people like say rihanna's who have sort of kept that mantle all the way across but for kelly clarkson to dip and recover i mean that is that's a true superstar right there and the time has come. You've stayed with us from 40 all the way to number 2. We have just one song left. Three guesses, half a guess really, on what song it is. It is Kelly Clarkson's biggest hit and a song that I think probably her best known cut in all of pop culture. Uh, the Grammy winning got Kelly Clarkson her very first Grammy award. The first Grammy award for any song in the Idol franchise. And a song that Billboard ranked as having the greatest chorus of the 21st century. We've set it up enough. Here it is. And as a bonus, once we hear what the song is, we're actually going to take it to our interview with Kelly Clarkson that we had last year on the podcast talking about Idol more than 15 years after she had become its first ever champion. So here we go. Kelly Clarkson's biggest hit and the woman herself. Let's hear it.
4: Here's the-
1: It really worked out for me. I'm not going to lie, y'all. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I remember I was so exhausted. Like, they just, you know, that show got massively popular within, like, the last three weeks of it. And I just I just remember, I mean, I can't, I never won, you know, anything like that. Like, I just never thought that would happen. And then it happened. And then you're just like, wow, I'm like that person in the story. That's really weird. So, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but that night changed my life.
3: So you didn't know at that time that basically you, were, you and everyone uh, from the beginning were basically changing TV. Every show now has uh, three judges and people performing. You, you really didn't know. You had no idea that you were kind of changing pop culture.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think anyone knew, man. I don't think, I mean, even all of us, like we, you know, it was like camp and, you know, all, and it's funny because for 15 years now I still run in the same crew that did Idol. You know, same people work on The Voice, same people work on, you know, American Music Awards, the Grammys. Like, that's all the same kind of crew that kind of um, rotates between all these, you know, big things. And, and it's cool because, like, I've kind of grown up with them, um, you know, since 19 auditioning for that show. So, no, nobody had a, a clue that it was, you know, going to do anything. We were just hoping to pay our bills. So, <laughs> <laughs> like.
3: Were you ever nervous performing? Was it just fun? Again, did you not know how many people were really watching? Did it get easier each week because you guys were the test case? You're the first season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been that kid. Like, I mean, I've been singing since I, you know I was younger and always in musical theater or operas or you know some kind of some form of uh, performance performance. Um, so I, I've always been the person that I don't really get nervous because, and I don't feel pressure because there's more or less people like because I do the same performance if it was five people, 500, 5,000, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care about the amount of people watching. I just want to do my best each time just because I'm pretty, I'm more critical of myself than anyone will ever be. So, um, so, you know, it's always me kind of judging myself. So I, I, I've never been nervous. I feel like I, you know, rehearse enough and sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't and sometimes you do something different and it was unexpected, but you go with it. Um but I I don't know, I've just never been a nervous person on stage.
3: Do you ever watch uh, the old audition of uh, videos or some of the early videos from that season and, and look back and I am that was me at nineteen?
1: So annoyed by myself? No. <laughs> I can't I saw one interview and I was so annoyed with myself <laughs> that I was like, Oh, I should never do this. It was like I found all these discs that they gave me. Um Whenever I won, they, they gave us, um, I don't know if they gave everyone, I assume they did, the um—the whole season, like, on these DVDs. And I tried to watch it when I knew it. It had been, like, I don't know, like, eight years since I had won. And and we had found it while moving. And I was like, oh, my God, we should watch this. And I was so annoyed by myself, I I I didn't watch.
2: <laughs> you didn't want to see the, the high note on Natural Woman? We all remember that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even get to that part. I couldn't even take the, you know, the interview, or them, like, you know, us at the house, like, I don't know. You know how you annoy yourself or like you hate your voice, like your talking voice?
4: Yeah. I hate my yep. talking voice. I'm
1: all right with my singing voice, but man, my talking <laughs> voice. It's like I don't even leave voicemails because I'm like, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what do you think really connected from the beginning, Kelly? Was it just really as simple as as kind of the the uh the motto of the show that, you know, anyone could win. It is sort of everyone found someone that they saw something in themselves and in contestants that they connected with is it really as simple as that along with all the talented people have been on the show over the years
1: yeah i mean honestly i I do think it kind of just boils down to like this is a country where you can come from nothing and achieve greatness like and i think you know a lot of us especially a lot of the contestants on my season you know we weren't rich kids there might have been a couple but like we weren't for the most part we weren't rich kids we were all kids at camp and just trying to you know Fulfill a dream that many of us have in the world, not only America. So, um, but I think, you know, America kind of took hold of, like, first of all, who doesn't love a talent show? That's why they're so popular in, like, high schools and kid things, like, everything. Like, who doesn't love that? And, um, and love to be entertained. And then you also get to, like, go along this journey with someone on TV that you're watching and you feel like you're, you're a part of it with them. So I, I feel like a lot of people have always told me that they've always connected with me not even just the singing or my records but they just feel like they got to watch me you know grow up with them like on tv like in their house every week so i mean it's a very powerful thing
3: There it is, the biggest hit by any American Idol on the Billboard Hot 100, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone. Great to hear from uh, Kelly as well when she was on the podcast last year. And uh, chart friends will will probably know this and notice, uh, a number two on this countdown was Stronger But Doesn't Kill You. It was a number one hit. uh, A number one on this countdown is Since You've Been Gone. It was a number two hit on the Hot 100. So, uh, Pop quiz, Gary. How how does that happen? What? No.
2: What was the mighty song that had actually blocked Since You've Been Gone from number one? candy shop 50 a 50 cent song candy shop throwback
3: all right Uh, so how uh, kelly clarkson is number one with a sign that was number two over a sign that was number one it's uh based on our formula of uh, hot 100 performance so uh weeks in the top 10 weeks uh, on the hot 100 more it can get you uh higher on an all-time recap so that's uh, what does it that's a that's a great choice uh, for number one the way things worked
2: out yeah i was gonna say sometimes you know it sort of what, what is biggest in terms of the chart versus what's biggest in terms of sort of pop culture memory don't line up very well, uh, but this is one of the great examples where, yeah, if it had been stronger over Since you Been Gone, it would have felt a little more like Since you Been Gone has just aged well. I think it brought in a whole new generation of Kelly Clarkson fans, and really you know, if you had missed Miss Independent which I guess you kind of could have, I mean this is this is a song that you definitely like did not miss and really introduced Kelly I think to that pop rock audience, that sound that she had
3: wanted to gravitate towards. And we just see how massive it's become ever since. And talking about 50 Cent at number one, the song has uh, been credited in, in a lot of uh, writing, a lot of analysis by different people that this song really brought back pop music in a big way in the 2000s. It had been so hip hop for so many years. And then you got Kelly, you got uh, Taylor Swift would come along the next year, Lady Gaga, uh, Rihanna was uh, just starting at this point. So this was kind of at the forefront of pop music, power pop like that. Making its comeback.
2: So, who would have known, you know, way back when American Idol started, the subtitle, you know, the search for a superstar, that they absolutely landed on one on the very first try? Kelly
3: Clarkson bringing us home. All right, there it is. Our countdown of the top forty uh, Billboard Hot 100 hits by American idols. Uh, also cool, hearing from Lionel Richie, hearing from Luke Bryan. Uh, the one judge we didn't hear from uh, on uh, this podcast, uh, Katy Perry. But uh, I don't know if you uh, if you noticed, uh, Trevor. And, uh, it was the second episode. There was a uh, contestant this year. His name is Trevor. Trevor Holmes, country artist, like me. He's also a Dreamboat. That's what Katy Perry said. Uh, some some. Throw away comment that she can't possibly She
2: absolutely right Let him know
3: DMs open all right. There it is uh, for this week. Uh, Idol is back. So it's fun to uh, count down all those songs the last couple weeks. Uh, another countdown is up ahead next week before we get back to regular format. We're doing one more next week. Going to go back to 1996, the top 20 Billboard Hot 100 hits 22 years ago. And a special guest we're going to talk to. It's actually uh, someone I've wanted on this podcast since I started it a couple years ago. Really excited uh, to talk to that person. I'm not going to say anything more about it, but that's it's coming up next week. <laughs> Okay, so stay tuned
2: for Gary's uh, all star, all star guest, all star mystery guest.
3: You go uh, talk to Katy Perry. I'll, I'll work on that. Uh,
2: and also, of course, don't worry. We'll keep an eye on what's going on in the present. If any shakeups happen on the Billboard's Top 100's Top 10, we'll of course have the rundown. Uh, mark your calendars for an eighth week at number one for Drake, and we'll see uh, if BB Rexa, if Maren Morris, if any of the. Uh, up-and-comers can make a challenge for the almighty six god at the number one spot
3: we uh we did so much idol last couple weeks are there any idol songs we missed that we should close with should we uh reverse things and go from kelly to justin should we play a justin garini song um how about we go justin to jennifer as in jennifer
2: hudson uh who is regrettably not on this countdown list but obviously One of the most famous idols to come out there I mean the only idol with an Oscar So there's something to be said with that Uh, So we'll flash back to J. Hud's first solo single uh, Off the Grammy Award winning Jennifer Hudson album This is Spotlight